Good morning. I'm glad y'all are here. Would you turn in your Bibles to the book of James? We're studying through the book of James, and we've worked our way down to James chapter 2 and verse number 14. James talks about how to live what you believe. James um, talks about how to live real faith because there's a lot of phony faith. There are some Christians who are counterfeit Christians. There's a lot of cults that take the verses that we're going to be studying this morning and use them to teach that you're saved by works, not just faith, but that you have to do good things to work your way into heaven. Now, the Bible teaches us that we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. For instance, if you'll notice on the screen, uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 and 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, but it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. So God says we're saved by His grace through what Jesus Christ did for us when He died for us on the cross. But James says in chapter 2, and if you look there in your Bible in verse 24, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. So the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote that we're saved by grace through faith in Ephesians chapter 2. But here in James chapter 2, he says that we're saved by our works as well as our faith. So who's right? Well, they're both right. They're just talking about two different things. <clears throat> they're talking about two different problems that they were dealing with. Paul was fighting against what we call legalism. That legalism is they were teaching in those days that you had to keep all the Jewish laws and customs. And then if you believed in Christ plus keeping all the Jewish laws and customs, then you could be saved. A lot of people teach today that if you believe in Christ plus do certain things, then you could be saved. James was fighting against a problem of indifference toward being obedient to the Word of God. And so, it's not a matter of people say, well, you know, as long as I believe, it doesn't matter what I do, just as long as I believe. And that's what James was fighting against in, in, in his day. So, Paul is talking about how you become a believer. James talking about how you live like a believer. Uh, James is focused on the fruit of your salvation, 
where Paul was focused on the root of our salvation. Paul was talking about how you know that you're a Christian. And James was talking about how you show that you're a Christian. Paul was talking about how God sees you. And James was talking about how other people see you. So they were talking about two different things. Now, both faith and works are in God's plan for your life. There on the screen, we read a moment ago that God's Word says you're saved by grace. For, you, for by grace, you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one can boast. The very next verse, chapter 2 and verse 10, goes on to say, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we're saved by grace through faith in Christ for good works. And our, our, our good works glorify God to others. And so James is talking about one problem that he was correcting. Paul was talking about another. <clears throat> but the Bible makes plain that if you get these two out of order, we're saved by grace through faith for good works. But if you switch those around and try to say, well, we're saved by our good works, and then, of course, you have to believe in Christ, then you're in trouble with the, what the Bible teaches and what about, about salvation. 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 12 puts it this way. Whoever has the Son, talking about the Son of God, has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. So if you have Jesus Christ in your heart and life, if you have been born again of His Spirit and He lives in you, then you have eternal life. If you do not have the Son of God living within you, then you do not have eternal life. But we show our faith, when we have Christ in our life, we show our faith to others by our lifestyle. So, how do you walk real faith? How do you walk your talk? And the first thing is, real faith is not just something you say. Look there in your Bibles at James chapter 2 and verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can his faith save him? Notice that word, if someone says he has faith. So you can claim a lot of things. You can claim to be a Christian. You can claim you have faith in Christ. You can talk a good line. But is there anything that shows, any evidence? And James is saying, 
if there's no evidence of Christ living in your heart, then your faith may be phony. Christ was, when he was on earth, was dealing with this in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 20. He's talking to a group of people and he says, Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the ones who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Oh, that many, uh, on that day, many will say to me, and, and on that day, he's talking about the judgment day, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and done many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And so Christ will say on judgment day, I never knew you in real faith. I never knew you in new birth. I never came into your heart. You never opened your life to me. You never repented of your sins and trusted me as your Savior. Now, the next thing is real faith is not just emotion. In James chapter 2, and look in verse 15 and 16. If a brother or a sister is poorly clothed, or that means they didn't have enough clothing to keep warm in the winter. They're poorly clothed and lacking daily food. They didn't have enough food just to stay alive. And one of you say to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Or James is saying, if we see somebody and they don't have enough clothes to stay warm and they don't have enough food to eat and we feel sorry for them and our heart kind of hurts for them and we say, God bless you. What good is that? <laughs> Christian love gives the time and, and spends the money to meet others' needs when it's necessary. Uh, gets involved in people's lives in a practical way of assistance. In the book of 1 John chapter 3 and verse 14, it puts it this way. It says, We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. We know that we've been saved if we love other people who are saved. Then in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 17, it says, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? And then 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19, put, or, or verse 9, puts it this way. In this, the love of God was manifest among you, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might 
live through him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. God loved us so much that he was willing to send his own son, whom he loved with all his heart, to come to the earth to take our sins on himself and suffer and bleed and die for us. He gave the most precious thing that he had, his own son, to die in our place. That's love, God says. That his son could be the propitiation for our sins. Now that word propitiation just simply means a provision by which we could receive God's mercy. God has to punish sin. God is righteous. God is holy. God is just. He has to punish sin or God would be wrong. So he put our sins on Christ and punished his own son. And Christ suffered in our place so that we could be forgiven. So that we could have God's mercy. He sent his son to be the perpetuation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, it says, we ought also to love one another. If God loved us this much, we ought to love each other. So then the next thing is, showing our, our faith is real, is it's not something we just think or discuss. Look in verse 18. <clears throat> but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. The key word there is show. If we have real faith in Christ, then we will show that faith in what we say, what we do, in the way we live, in our lifestyle. Real faith will be visible in our actions, in our words. Someone asked a preacher, I just bought a new Bible. It's called the Living Bible Translation. Is this the best one? And the preacher said, the best translation of the Bible is when you translate it into your lifestyle. Faith is kind of like calories. You can't see them, but you see the results. If you were to ask some people, are you a Christian? Well, yes, I'm a Christian. Well, do you go to church? Well, no. Do you enjoy reading your Bible? No, not really. Do you pray? Um, when I'm in trouble. Do you tithe? Oh, no. Do you witness? No. James has said, is saying, how do you know that you're a Christian if you don't show it in any way? How can something as big as God come into your life and not cause any change in your heart and your thoughts and your words and your feelings and your desires? 
So the question is, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? The next thing is, real faith is not just something that we believe. Look there in chapter 2 of James 2, uh, uh, in verse 19. James 2, verse 19. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe, or even the devils believe, and shudder. Now, <clears throat> the devil knows that God created him. The devil knows that someday God is going to judge him, and he shudders, he trembles. The devil believes in God, but the devil's not saved, folks. Satan had rebelled against God and has no plan to ever repent and get right with God. And so you can believe in God. You can believe in the Savior in your mind and never receive him in your heart. Some people are going to miss heaven by 18 inches. The difference between your mind and your heart. Now, the next thing is real faith is not passive. It's something you do. And then James gives two illustrations. These illustrations, one of them is about a man called Abraham. And the other is an illustration about a woman named Rahab. Now, they were different. Uh, Abraham was a, a Jew. Rahab was a Gentile. Abraham was one of the patriarchs. Rahab was a prostitute. Abraham, you might say, was somebody. Rahab, you might say, was... Nobody. The only thing that they had in common was that their faith caused them to take some action. Now, let me, we don't have time to go back and read the whole book of Genesis and see the whole story, but let me just kind of bring you up to snuff and tell you about Abraham and what happened. Do y'all use that bring you up the snuff out here in California? <laughs> I, don't, I don't dip snuff. I don't like it. It's nasty. That's just a saying from Texas. But anyway, let me bring you up to speed. <clears throat> okay. God came to Abraham and revealed to him that he had a plan for his life and that he was going to him and his wife, Sarah, was going to have a, a son. And that son would then, from that son would come a nation, the nation of Israel. And then that God would send his own son here to the earth to be born of a human, be born of a, 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 a woman by a miraculous birth. She had never been married and never had relation with a man. And, and God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, 
caused her to conceive and have a child. And that child was Jesus Christ. Her name was Mary. Well, God told Abraham about these things ahead of time. And that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, would die for the sins of this world. And Abraham believed it. Now, this story we find in Genesis chapter 12. You move forward three chapters to chapter 15. Abraham had, by this time, he had left his country, not even knowing where God wanted him to go. He just took off and God guided him. And he got to the land of, we call it the land of promise, Israel. And he was there and God came to him. And said, Abraham, I'm kind of retelling you and the story that I told you earlier is true and you believed about the Savior and the promises I made you. And I want you to know they're still true. And Abraham believed God. And in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6, it says, and he believed the Lord And he counted it to him as righteousness. Now, we're all sinners, folks. We're all on the same same boat. And what takes place when we get saved, when we're born again, is God cleanses us of all of our sins. And he puts on our record the righteousness of Christ. So that we are right with God through what Christ did on the cross. So Abraham believed that and God counted it to him. That's an accounting term. He put it on his record. His sins were washed away and there was righteousness on Abraham's record. So Abraham went along and some years passed and he, hadn't, he and his wife Sarah hadn't had any children and Sarah's getting old and she, all these years she hadn't ha- been able to have children and uh, Abraham and Sarah both believe that God is going to bring a savior and that he's going to do it through the seed of Abraham and So Sarah said, you know, it might be God's plan for you to have a surrogate wife uh, and that she can have a baby for me. And so Abraham said, okay. Don't ask your husband if he's willing to do this, ladies. And uh, it wasn't God's will. And the child that was born was named Ishmael. And by the way, Ishmael is the father of the, the Arab nations who have been a thorn in the side of Israel for thousands of years. And if they could, they would destroy Israel, annihilate them. This is their goal today. But anyway... It, it wasn't God's will, but they were trying to help God out here a little. Time went by. 
Abraham is 99. Sarah's 89. God comes back and says, next year you're going to have a child. And sure enough, she conceived and had a child. She was 90. Abraham was 100. God worked a miracle. His name was Isaac, this child. They loved Isaac. Oh, you can't believe how they loved that boy. And one day when he was probably a teenager, I don't know for sure exactly how old, God said to Abraham, take your son, the son that you love, and go to a place that I'll show you, and you offer him as a living sacrifice. You kill him and burn him on an altar. Abraham got up the next morning, took some wood, took his son, loaded up everything on a donkey, and they took off. God showed him the place. He built an altar. He put the wood in place. He tied up Isaac and put him in place on the wood. And he took a knife and raised his hand to kill his own boy. And God stopped him. And God says, you just proved to everyone that you have real faith. I knew you had it all along, but now everybody's going to know it. You were willing to do this because your faith was real. Hebrews tells us in the New Testament that Abraham believed that God was able to raise him from the dead, if need be. And so look with me there in James chapter 2, and beginning in verse 21. Was not Abraham my father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see, verse 22, you see that faith was active along with his works. And that faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You, verse 24, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Now, you, you can see by what someone does that their faith is genuine. Abraham's faith was genuine in the beginning of, of Genesis, but now this proved it was genu genuine in Genesis chapter 22. And everyone could see it. Then you have a, a Rahab. Notice there in the next verse, verse 25. And in the same way was not Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. If we were to go back to the book of Joshua and read about this in Joshua chapter 3, we would find that this woman had a hotel and she was a prostitute. And these 
uh, two people, these men from Israel, came to spy out Jericho that they were about to conquer. And to bring back a report by, the, by, the, by spying. And she uh, realized who they were. And she said, if you get caught, the king will kill you. And I'm going to hide you because he's got men after you. And she hid those spies so that they wouldn't get caught. And she said, I'm putting my life on the line for you. Now would you save me and my family when y'all conquer this? She said, we, I know that Israel is the true and living God because I've heard about how when you left Egypt, God opened up the Red Sea and you walked through on dry ground. And then a, a, a God closed up the Red Sea and all of Pharaoh and his mighty army were killed. I've heard how that God helped you to conquer two kings on the way here. And she said, I believe in your God that he is, and this is her words, he is the God of heaven and the God of earth. And because her faith was real, she was willing to put her life on the line and hide the spies. When the soldiers came looking for them, she kept them from being found. Her actions showed that her faith was real. You know, um, Abraham wasn't saved by his works. He was saved by his faith. But over 25 years later, he showed to the world his faith that God had said back in the beginning that because of your faith, I am putting righteousness on your account. You've proved it to the world. I knew it to start with. So faith is not determined by what we do, but what we do demonstrates our faith. Faith makes us who we are, but our works shows to others who we are. The genuineness of our faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord is proven to others by what we do. Salvation is not something that happens and then immediately you become perfect. Uh, by the way, I'm not going to be perfect till I get to heaven. If you don't believe that, ask my wife. But there was a time in my life when I realized I was a sinner and I repented of my sins and I put my faith in Christ and he came into my life. And because of that, ever since then, there's been a desire in my heart to love the Lord and obey the Lord. Have I always been perfect in that? No, not, not even close. 
But that desire's been there. It changed my total direction when I got saved. Now, in closing, I want you to see some verses of Scripture from Galatians. The Bible talks about that we're saved and justified by our faith. And that it is revealed to others in our and demonstrated to others in our actions. And I want you to just, I want this to nail this down for you that you're, you're not saved by your works, but by faith in Christ and by God's grace. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 16. There on the, on the, the board, would you look with me? Yet we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Jesus Christ in order to be justified. Now the word justify means to be declared righteous by God. We believe in Jesus Christ to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law because by works of the law no one will be justified. Uh, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 11. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous, for the righteous shall live by faith. Titus chapter 3 and verse 7. So that being justified... By His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Being justified, God declaring us righteous comes through the grace of God when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Would you bow your head with me? And I want to ask you a question. It could be that someone is here this morning that you believe in God and you believe in Jesus Christ, but it's just been in your mind and not from your heart. And that, that faith has never changed your lifestyle. It has never given you a desire to love and serve the Lord. It might be, as James said, that faith is not alive, it's dead. Jesus was talking to a religious teacher named Nicodemus, and he told him, I don't, have, I don't care how much you know, unless you're born again of the Spirit of God, you'll never see the kingdom of God. If you're here this morning and you have never had that experience of a new birth when Christ came into your life, would you take this opportunity while everybody's uh, heads are bowed and eyes are closed, would you just say to God, God, I know I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. Jesus Christ, I do believe you died for me, and right now I trust you 
to save me from my sins because you died in my place and rose again from the grave. I put my faith in you as my Savior. I give you my life. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Now, on the other hand, it may be that you have prayed a prayer like that from your heart and you've been saved. But you've gotten away from the Lord and your testimony is not what it ought to be. And your life is not right with God. You know, my life has been kind of going along serving the Lord and then stumbling, falling, getting up and asking forgiveness and going along for a while and falling again. And I'm going to fall my way all, into heaven, all the way into heaven someday, but I want you to know that there's victory by trusting God daily and walking with him daily. There may be something you need to tell him this morning. Say, God, I'm out of your will, and I don't want to get right about that. Forgive me, O Lord. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Christ and what you have done because you love us so that we could be saved. Now, Lord, help us as your sons, as your daughters, to demonstrate our faith in you to those around us. Help us to be godly ambassadors for Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.